Welcome, Friendship Fam. Joining us at Friendship Studios is Matt Clausen and Joel Farber in our 34th episode. We're continuing to do a deep dive into 1 John. So jump into chapter two with us as we learn how we may have confidence in Jesus at his return. I'm Kenny White, inviting you to grab some coffee, buckle up, and enjoy the ride on this week's episode of your Friendship Church Podcast. Day at the Lake last Sunday was so great and so fun. We had 13 people baptized that day. It's encouraging to stand by and watch fellow believers step out and proclaim the name of Jesus. For those of you who still want to be baptized, we'll have another baptism in the next few months, likely. Learn more at friendshipmn.org baptism. Welcome, Friendship Fam. Glad to have you joining us. I'm here with Matt and Joel, and we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 here in just a little bit. But as we get started, and as I'm thinking about this passage, I, I was considering, uh, I don't know, times in our lives, situations that we purposely avoid, and maybe even considering, uh, as we're looking at the Olympics, uh issues that I've seen with athletes who have avoided a variety of things. So anyways, fellas, as as we're talking about this and considering maybe areas that we avoid, what would what would be some some things that we know that we should step into, but we purposely avoid? Do you so, have any thoughts? So when I was in the fourth grade, my parents were gone and my grandparents were watching me. And I had a friend come to the door and say, hey, come and see this. I don't remember what they wanted me to come and see, but they lived like two blocks over, three blocks over. And so I ran out to the garage, jumped on my bike, and went to this friend's house. And like an hour and a half later, I'm like, okay, I'm going home. And so I go home, and when I arrive home, my grandfather is standing in the driveway because I never told my grandparents I was leaving. Oh, all of a sudden there's a doorbell and I'm gone and I'm gone for an hour and a half as a fourth grader. And my grandfather greets me in the driveway as I bike past him and says, we didn't know where you went. We thought you were taken. Where did you go? You need to tell us. And my grandfather never, I mean, never raised his voice to me. Mm. And all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I was so freaked out. So at that point, I yeah. go put my my bike in the garage. There is a, a door in the back of the garage that goes downstairs into the basement, or I can walk past my grandfather back to the front door, the normal way that you would go in. I absolutely <laughs> walked to the back of the garage do, do, do. and snuck into the house oh. through the basement door, went to my room. And just sat in my room so as not to speak to my grandparents. (laughs) Uh, It was like the ultimate avoidance. Yes. I knew like, okay, I I should really go apologize to them and like talk about this. Oh, no. No, no. I am staying in my room. I am hiding out. I am walking through the basement so that I don't have to make eye contact. Yes. Like it was, I was so ashamed. Uh, As soon as he said it, I was like, oh, no. I did just take off. <laughs> I didn't tell him where I was going. And I just like oh. went through the basement and hung out by myself in my room oh, until man. five minutes later, my grandfather appeared and said, what are you doing? 
Mm-hmm. I said, oh, I kind of screwed up. He's like, that's fine. Come on upstairs. And I was like, oh, oh okay. What? He's like, yeah, tell us where you're going next time. I'm Let's like, pizza. oh, great. Man, that's oh awesome. God. Yeah. But for, for a while, definitely <laughs> avoiding, definitely some shame, definitely just walking away. What ah. a wonderful grandfather you had Man. to know, okay, he, he's, he, he's probably done more to himself than your, in terms of discipline than yes. your, than. Plus, I haven't reached this stage in life, but my understanding is this is the privilege of grandparenting. <laughs> he didn't actually have to care about whether my character was formed that day. That's my dad's job. He got to just oh, go, man. okay, let's have some fun now. Come on. Let's go eat ice cream. I'm a grandparent. It's just fun, fun, fun. Now, now guys, I, I love that. I know this is going to be hard to believe. No. Uh, I've made some mistakes in my life. Okay. True confessions. Yep. And I feel like there should be like some music playing right now. Right. Yeah. Well, even in terms of like work, let's 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 change the focus for like not making a mistake to grandpa, but like boss, right? Yeah. Um there have been mistakes that have been made and oftentimes the first thing that happens when are, I are realize you for amens anywhere along the way here. <laughs> yeah, amen. Woohoo. Uh I find myself just thinking, oh man. Like, okay, I know I have to own up to this. How am I going to address it? And like the first things that run through my head are like, how can I do this? So I'm not publicly shamed. Mm-hmm. How can I do this? So that maybe nobody knows and I can just fix it, yeah. you know, things like that. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I think, uh, yeah. Avoiding conflict is, is kind of a, a big deal to us. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's funny because in our minds we take it somewhere that often it never even goes. Right. And, but ultimately there, there is a conflict that, uh, we can't avoid. And, and that's this ultimate interaction with God. There is a judgment day. There is a, there is a day coming that we can't avoid. And, uh, we're, we're going to be face to face with, uh, with God. And, and we're either going to see him as a judge or a savior. Uh, and, and that's, that's something that we can't avoid. And so preparing for it is a, is a big deal. And um, le- I, I think that's probably the best uh, segue I can make to <laughs> First John chapter 2. That was great. Oh, hey, thanks, Joel. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. So let's just jump right into First uh, John chapter 2. We're in verse 28 and 29. And Joel, as, as you're turning there, if you don't mind reading it in just a moment, um, I, I also have to say, I, I really have enjoyed this study. Like, this has been good for my heart. And, um, and calibrating throughout the week, like, am, I, am I really abiding in Christ? Am I, am I really, you know, that word to abide means like to stay. And it's, mm-hmm. used, it's used almost in a hospitality way, as I understand it. Uh, and it would, it would look like this. If, if I went over to your house and stayed, I would be abiding with you. I would be at hmm. your house. So for the person who abides, they are, they are, uh, they are going into someone's home and receiving hospitality. And that's the idea here that we are, if we're abiding in Christ, we are getting the hospitality of Christ and we're, we're connected. We're staying there, but there's a choice to stay or not. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's, this has been a really, really fun study for my heart anyways. And I'm getting, 
super excited as we've been going through this uh, and and as we're preparing this week to enter into chapter three next episode. Mm-hmm. I, I love chapter three. It's so much fun. When should we let Autumn Warden know that we're changing the Connections Ministry team name to Abide Ministry? <laughs> well, we'll see if she gets it listening to the the podcast because she says she does. So now Ooh, we'll, this is a test. Yeah, this is a test. Mm-hmm. Test the timer Listen. starting now. I love this. We should actually have staff directive from the podcast. Yes. Just to see who's listening in and who's not. Yes. Bring Joel lunch. Yeah. Occasionally Matt does that on his, uh, uh, video friendship together. He'll throw out something about one of the staff and it's like, Oh, were you listening? Uh, oh yeah. He's clever that way. All right, so 1 John 2, 28 through 29. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Thank you. Appreciate that, Joel. Well, there, there are a few things that, that uh, pop out in this passage uh, do you see anything like when you read this, Matt, uh, or as Joel was reading it, was there anything that you went, hmm, I, I appreciate this, or this reminds me of this, or I don't know, I just, mm. I'm, I'm just kind of turning it over to you at this point. What, what do you think? Well, I think uh, one thing that jumps out right away is that he's, that he's coming back, mm-hmm. right? And that there's, yeah. there's hope in the fact that he's coming back, but we'll also stand before him yeah. uh, when he's coming back. I guess another thing that uh, jumps out that I would love to get your feedback on is he's writing to little his you know little children here, which perhaps implies that he is writing to believers, and he says that it is possible for those believers that when Jesus appears, that they'll have shame at his coming. What does that look like? Mm. How is it how is it possible that the little children? can have shame at the coming of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? What does that, what does that look like? I, I think that's mm. what jumps out to most of us when we read this right away is, wait, what? Shame? How right. is that possible? Right. Haven't I been forgiven? Yeah. What's going on? That's good. I, I, I mean, I, I think as, as we read it and, and look at it, there's this clause there, abide in him, so that. So there is something about abiding in him that keeps us from shame and there's something about not abiding in him that makes us uh, want to avoid his his mm-hmm. return right mm-hmm. and um i i think that as believers you, you know i'm it's it's easy to not abide i mean it's easy to consider this uh, even even from a uh, perspective, right? As as family members, sometimes we don't abide with one another. We still belong. We're still uh, related, uh, but we choose to do our own thing. I mean, I think of the prodigal son, for example. Uh, he comes back to his father at, ashamed. He wasn't abiding with him anymore. He wasn't connected with his mm. father. He wasn't doing what his father, uh, which he wasn't doing or he wasn't living up to the standard of his home when he left his home and went and lived uh, like the Gentiles did. And at his return, he even comes back humbly. Right. And I think maybe that's a good picture of, of even what uh, John could be talking about here. And 
in terms of, okay, at his return, like if I'm thinking about his return, how am I abiding in him? And I'll, I'll give you an example. So when Cindy and I were in college here at Crown, it was in April. I, I, that's all I remember. It was April and it was about 1030 or 11 at night. And we were walking around the campus outside and off in the distance, we see this little bit of a glow, kind of an emerald gl- glow. Like, that's really interesting. What in the world? I had never, I grew up in Southern Indiana and the skyline is never like that there. And as we begin to watch, we realize this, we're seeing the Northern Lights, which isn't terribly common, right? Hmm. And so we're seeing the Northern Lights and all of a sudden the, the lights begin to, they're like pulsing and they shoot across the sky. Like, I mean... I ended up just like laying down and looking at the, so I could see the whole view of the sky mm. and there's, it's like these clouds of lightning and green emerald pulses. And it was just amazing and beautiful and terrifying. And it was, uh, it was then that, uh, that I'm reminded of when I read this mm. and here was my thought is Jesus returning Oh my word, I think Jesus is returning. <laughs> like it it if he's returning, like I could see how this would be, you know, and it, it just it, those were the thoughts that consumed me in that moment. And as I sat there, I thought, I'm going to a Bible college, but I don't know if I'm really living for Jesus right now. Mm. I, I don't know if I am. I mean, I I study the Bible, but I don't know if I'm living for Jesus. I don't know that I'm abiding. And the this 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 term to, to shrink back, um, that's how I felt because I, I had this moment of if Jesus returns right now and I have to be accountable for the way I've been living, uh, I, I mean, I haven't been bad, but that's only in comparison to other people. I can also say I haven't been living at the standard of life that Jesus has called me to. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I'm concerned. <laughs> if he's coming back today, I'm accountable for this. This isn't how I wanted to see him. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. That's maybe the longest way I could answer your question. (laughs) (laughs) When I first read this passage in preparation today, the first thing I thought of having come come out of three sermons uh, the past two weeks of Pastor Matt preaching about sex and sexual sin was just the fact that the answer to to not being stuck in that shame and the perpetual cycles that you can find yourself, especially in that area of sin, is to abide in Him. Mm-hmm. And you know that's often an area of sin that's often met with a lot of shame, right? You and this verse is talking about shame, uh, but abiding in Him, like that's the easiest way when you're leaning on Him each and every day to have that confidence, even in just helping you to get out of that sin, to have victory over those sins. Yeah, no, that's really good. The word shame there, you know, when, when we look at it, it, it's humiliation, you know, it's chagrin, it's a lot of things. But what I was wondering is, okay, if, if I'm leaning into, if I abide in him, then I'm not going to experience shame, then what do I experience? I mean, is it, is it hope? Is it security? Is it like, what, what is the opposite of shame here? And um, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's just something I've been chewing on uh, really over the course of the last 24 hours or so. But 
I wonder what are your knee jerk responses to that? What 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 is the in in the context of Jesus' return? If shame is, um, if shame is what we would be experiencing if we don't abide in Him, then what is the opposite of that? What would we be experiencing if we abide in Him at His return? Does that answer confidence? I mean, in the in right in the verse, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, comparing the the confidence versus shame, but. When you look at the word confidence, I don't think it's like oftentimes when I think of the word confidence, I come out with like standing tall, chest out, kind of boastful looking like we're not going to approach Christ with a boastful attitude. Like if anything, we're going to stand there and we're not going to draw back in shame, but we'll draw back probably to our knees and bowing before him fully Mm -hmm. and acknowledging that like, it's because of you that I have this confidence, Mm -hmm. right? And so I, I would say confidence, but what does confidence mean? Because mm-hmm. it's not that chest out confidence. It's right. It's like a, right. it's like a full assurance, knowing confidence. Right. I struggle with being too concrete at times, and so the challenge that I have, even in even in the discussion we're having, is asking the question like, who who are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about a group of people who shrink back in shame, and a group of people who have confidence, are those who shrink back in shame unbelievers? When Christ returns, are those who are confident believers? Or is there within the believer category, those who shrink back in shame mm-hmm. and those who have confidence? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Because that, that seems to impact my, my understanding of the whole passage um, and what this, what this will look like. And I, I think it's hard, in my opinion, as we read this to, to come to some clear definition, because if we read the next verse, it makes it quite clear that righteousness is the way of Christ. And if we're righteous, we can have confidence that we know him. Um, and that, that seems to be about, okay, we, we can have confidence in our salvation right. if we are following the way of Christ. Um, but at the beginning, he addresses little children, which is his you know, normal word for believers. Mm-hmm. And so is there a sense in which believers have the possibility of experiencing shame when they meet Jesus face to face, how is that possible if, in fact, he has paid for all of my sins and they have been wiped away completely and entirely? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, what I, I think there are some some challenges in our understanding here that, uh, in order to fully understand the verse, we gotta we have to dig into mm-hmm. and know who, who are we talking about here. Right? Uh, is this me? Can I experience shame as a as a follower of Jesus um, when I see him face to face? There, uh, just to your point, Matt. As I look at this, there there seems there seems to be some action words here to to abide, uh, to practice righteousness. So it's not just intellectual and positional sanctification. Like, mm. okay, I know that this has happened. It's also there's a responsibility of the believer to have action associated with their faith to abide to stay with to be under the hospitality of Christ and and um to practice righteousness is not just oh yeah I'm righteous because of Christ's work which is true but also I'm going to practice what I've seen Christ do I'm going to be obedient so uh, as as I look at this and and look at the fuller context uh my understanding is that yeah, believers can have some shame. Mm. Um, it, it appears to me that you know there there are those who are going to uh, uh, 
receive varying degrees of rewards in heaven uh, based on their their actions. So um, I, I guess when I look at this, my tendency is to think, yeah, he's talking to believers. And if that's true, I think it is important for us to understand that there's no shame associated uh, there's no shame associated with penalties for sin. That as we stand before Jesus, uh, there is no condemnation. Mm. We're declared righteous. And so there's no sense in which there is loss for the believer right. um, because our sins are still attached to us or any punishment or penalty for that sin is still attached to us. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think to go down the road that you started down, Kenny, is to recognize that there is a loss of opportunity and loss of reward Mm -hmm. that while every person who will be in heaven with God is saved exclusively by the grace of God through faith, the Bible teaches us in multiple places that how we spend that eternity Mm -hmm. is determined by the stewardship of what God has given to us. Mm -hmm. And so there are those who take their mina and earn 10 more and here, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. But in that same parable, there are those who take their mina and earn five more and well done. Good and faithful servant is not stated for them. Mm-hmm. They do not receive that same commendation from the Lord that the 10 mina liver has, yeah. um, that there are those that we have the ability to store up treasures in heaven when we live in the spirit rather than in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And as believers today, I have an opportunity to store up those treasures. I I think sometimes, uh, now I'm just rambling, uh, but based on what you said, Kenny, I'm blaming you now for this. Um, But based on what you said, I I think there are times where um, believers have this very socialist understanding of heaven, Mm -hmm. right? We're saved by God's grace. Therefore, everything is the same once we die. Mm -hmm. Well, no, our entrance into heaven is the same, right? How we exist in heaven how we live in heaven, uh, our, our crowns, our worship, our yeah. service, all seem to be different within heaven and predicated upon how we've stewarded our lives here on the earth. And I, I do think there's a very real possibility that when I see Jesus face to face, not in a lasting way throughout all of eternity, but at that right. moment, I will suddenly be struck by all of the truth of life. Mm. suddenly be struck by all of the right priorities of life mm. and will in that momentary uh, instant be struck by how I could have used my life better mm-hmm. for eternal reward. Yeah. And there will be shame in, in, in some sense. Loss, yeah. I think, is the way another passage puts it. Mm-hmm. At the judgment, uh, not, not a loss of punishment, not a loss of right. condemnation, but okay, I had those opportunities and I didn't take advantage of them. Yeah. I, I would... I okay. didn't steward those, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, all of us who have graduated from anything have had those, those graduation moments where we are sitting there and we are thinking about the four years we put in in high school or the four years we put in all in right. college and we're like, hmm, I could have used this time better. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Right. You know, and there's some sense of, oh, I wish I had instead of yes right now does that win the day no what wins the day is celebration and at at this point uh you know there's just celebration as you move on from that point of graduation but there is that momentary ooh, you know i had had an opportunity to use this better 
yeah. in a way that would have, uh, in, in the case of eternity, you know, glorified Christ more right. in all that I did. Yeah. Uh, that's a great illustration. I, I really like that. I, uh, as I was looking at this passage, you know, that idea of, of confidence uh, uh, at his appearing. And that the idea of the word confidence, when you when you look it up, as has this idea of openness. So, so if we can be consistent with definitions, then shame has this idea of closed, right? Like, mm. oh, these are the things I did, and I wish I wouldn't have done, and ugh, I'm I'm closed to it. But confidence has this idea of openness, as opposed to pride, which I think is what Joel right. was talking. Yeah, about. I like that. And, uh, so I, I don't know, I'm, I'm encouraged by these words. I'm challenged by these words mm-hmm. to continue to abide in him and, and walk with him. I'm also challenged to look forward to his appearing. I think sometimes, um, there is a lot of fear associated with that. I think sometimes there's a lot of, you know, the, the unknown that, that is associated with that. And, in this context, we, we have to recognize that this is, this is our hope. Jesus is coming back for us. He's coming back for us, and we get to be with him forever, and that is something to celebrate. Mm. So Jesus is returning, and I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, for, for all of us, how do we feel about that? Do we have a sense of shame, or are we leaning into that? Like, no, I have an openness that I, I am excited to share with the Lord on that day. Does the thought of Christ's return bring joy or terror? That maybe is a clue to where we're at with abiding. So, as we go from this place, let's remember to abide in him as we continue to love, live, and serve like Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. We're moving on into 1 John chapter 3. Join in next week. And as always, we'll see you next time on your Friendship Church podcast.